You know, hump day. Now we're definitely on the other side of the hill heading to Friday. And today's uh, weather is looking pretty good. They're saying uh, we have a little bit of a chance of showers and thunderstorms, but it will be partly sunny with a high near 91 and a heat index of 99. Calm winds becoming southerly. And uh, if it does rain, it's going to be one of those popcorn thunderstorms and you get maybe a tenth of an inch of rain and then it'll go away and the sun will come out and then, you know, you get a Chinese laundry fill. You know, it's just steaming us, just steaming us and uh, taking care of us. Did I just say something the cancel culture won't like me about? <laughs> I, got, I looked over at Heidi and Heidi just shook her head at me. Yeah, well, <clears throat> I got in trouble on another one. I'll tell you about that when we're not on the air, Heidi. But uh, the people to empower uh, stuck with me on it. You know, just what it was. In the studio today, for you who is who are watching on Facebook, you go, who's that, who's that guy? Who's that young guy that Dave's got in his studio today? That... If you'll remember correctly, well, you, you didn't see him then. You were just hearing him. Seth Mays is with us today. Good to have you here, Seth. Good morning, Dave. Good to see you. They probably thought there was just a reflective mirror across from you <laughs> into father time, into the That's years right, gone when by. when I was younger. <laughs> I never looked that good i'm just telling you never looked that good um never had that much hair that's that's the key but bottom line on the phone jr davis from the gilmore group jr what's happening hey dave good morning <laughs> seth you guys are having way too much fun in the studio this morning yeah you when did you get up it sounds like you just got out of bed I just haven't said anything i've been reading for a little bit but you guys are the first people i've spoken to you got your jammas on uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in casual wear for sure. Okay, we won't get into it then. <laughs> we won't get into it. Hey, listen, I asked Seth. I, I had breakfast with Seth yesterday, and uh, was discussing with him some issues that I bet you you even you know about. But there was one that I did not know about. Have you heard this thing that this initiated act that they're going to try to put on the? Uh, the November ballot dealing with changing the way we do primaries here in the state? Yeah, the ranked choice. This is crazy. Oh, it's terrible. Uh, And that's why it's important for, obviously, platforms like the Dave Ellswick Show to make sure Republicans understand that this is uh, being driven by uh, an incredibly, uh, you know, liberal group. Uh, And it's just... In Texas! Basically... In Texas, it's uh, uh, it's the Arnolds, uh, former Enron uh, executive, billionaire. Uh, they're financing this, and um, it's a backdoor uh, for a Democrat to win in a very Republican state. Yeah, it's uh, and, incredible. And, yeah, it's bad. It's really bad. I mean, both both initiatives. Uh, uh, redistricting and the ranked choice primary or uh, ranked choice elections uh, is is bad bad news. 
for Arkansas. So uh, if you're listening, you know, keep that in mind. Uh, obviously, there's a lot left uh, to happen before they actually get on the ballot, but um, they have turned in the signatures. So you just need to, uh, you know, stay tuned in the coming days. There will certainly be uh, opposition to it. Well, here's the key. Here in the state of Arkansas, David Couch is the person who runs a lot of these initiated acts, and uh, he found himself uh, a group that's got the money to be able to finance them, and the money is flowing across the Texas border to his coffers to try to change the way we do business here in Arkansas because these folks know they can't get this change in Texas. That's exactly right. I mean, it's it's this, uh, you know, it, it boils down to this. It's basically if you can't win, you cheat. Uh, and that's <laughs> exactly Nothing what the, new for Democrats, the Democrats there. I'm just telling you. Know, you. Look, it's been, it's been uh, you know, just about 10 years, actually right at 10 years since we saw the Republican wave in Arkansas. Yep. Uh, and Democrats, uh, you know. Look, it's hard for a Democrat to win a county judge seat now uh, in the state of Arkansas. And so these two uh, amendments, um, you know, one looks good on face value, right? It's the redistricting. Let's make it fair, yada, yada, yada. Uh, We'll talk about that in a moment. Yeah, it's just another tip by Democrats to manufacture wins uh, statewide. Uh Uh, And if it's a fair, you know, and it's a a fair fight, Democrats are going to lose every single time. So... Uh, Republicans certainly need to kind of sit up, uh, take note of this. Um, and quite frankly, anybody who cares about a fair and transparent process uh, needs to sit up and take a look at this, take note, um, because someone in Texas is trying to steal uh, the way we do things here in Arkansas. All right. So let's start off with the uh, primary one. And I'm going to turn it over to Seth, and he's going to kind of explain this whole uh, thing out if you're having your morning coffee i'm warning you you may spit it out all right when you when you hear this i i, I heard this over breakfast yesterday and it's the first time i heard about it it really is and i was like oh no i will do everything to defeat this i mean i was already ready to do everything to defeat how they want to try to strip redistricting from the Republicans. So um, I'm going to talk about uh, that in just a moment. So JR is with us. Seth is with us. Let's go ahead and get our first break in. And then when we come back, we'll have plenty of time to talk about this primary thing because you need to know about it. You know that I'm, that I'm uh, serious about it because we're just in July, and I'm talking about something that you won't see until it gets on the ballot uh, in November. I want you to know about it so you can start telling your friends. Share this segment, next segment that's coming up, with all of your friends so they know what's going on. Seth is here. JR's here. I'm here. You're here. Let's have some more fun when we come back on the Dave Ellswick Show. By, by the technology of telephone, JR Davis is with us uh, from the Gilmore Group in the studio. Seth. Miller is Seth May is with us. Hey, Seth, real quickly, you give them your official title. I am the senior political director for the Republican Party of Arkansas. Okay, big big mouthful, Jr. <laughs> that means it's important. That's a that's a pretty hefty title there. So. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to have Seth 
look first at this uh, initiated act that David Couch is trying to get the signatures for and get in on the November ballot. Now, I have to say this. I'm going to have hold that up so people can see that on the camera. If you're not watching on uh, uh, Facebook right now, maybe you should come over to the Dave Ellswick Show on Facebook so you can see this. Look at how long the, tal- the, the title of this is. It's how many pages? One and a half? This is a page and a half, 11-point font, single-spaced for a title of one of the initiatives okay and is that the primary or is that this the, is the redistricting oh redistricting okay i remember when uh, myself and uh, carl kimball and a lot of other people were working on trying to get rid of the uh, food tax and we were trying to get it on uh, the ballot and our title for it maybe was a half a paragraph and it kept getting shut uh, shot down uh, by it wasn't prior was it prior at that time maybe it was prior at that time yes it was prior at that time who was the AG and he kept shooting it down saying that it was confusing let me tell you what Jr I look at this and if Leslie Rutledge doesn't throw this in a <laughs> trash can I'm going to say what in heaven's name I mean that's ridiculous have you seen this. Uh, I have, uh, you know, I think that, uh, you know, again, like I said before, I think there's, there's, there's a lot more, uh, that, that needs to happen before this will make the ballot. But I do think that it's very, very important for, um, for voters. Really. I mean, look, we just had such a strange year and no one's hardly been <laughs> talking about the election. I mean, yeah, we, I know. we're barely talking about the presidential election. Uh, and so it's important for, you know, even now to raise sort of a public campaign, uh, you know, a, a public awareness campaign uh, that people know what to expect, uh, you know, or what, you know, they could, um, you know, uh, see on election day as far as, you know, on the ballot. And so they just need to know what's, what's, what's trying to be done right now uh, and, and how to fight against it and spread the word. And let people know this is, this is a bad deal, but look, the redistricting, you know, these I can't say this enough. These are these are two terrible, terrible, terrible uh, amendments of the Constitution. Yeah. Uh, and with redistricting, when you see that, you know, hey, uh, they want to make this independent and fair. Uh, they tried this in California, uh, and and by the way, you know, before uh, they did this redistricting in California, the idea was to keep it fair, right? Uh, there was, I think there were 32 of like the 53 seats, uh, in California's congressional delegation that were deemed, uh, safe seats, you know, and that obviously means for them, uh, democratic seats. When they turned this over to a, an independent commission, which was supposed to make this more fair, uh, that did not change. 32 of the 53 seats were still, uh, decidedly, um, uh, safe seats for the Democrats. Right. And, and so all this does, Dave, is it gives Democrats an opportunity uh, to take back some of the control they lost from Republicans. Yeah. You know, since Reconstruction, uh, Democrats have been uh, the ones to, you know, uh, to have this power and to draw the lines. And if it was such a big deal, if it's such a big deal to them to change it now, what, what, where were they in 2010 or 2000 or 90? I mean, where were they? Where was this idea then? 
Uh, it's because they've lost power. Don't lose sight of that, and and uh, and and just call it you know what it is. That's exactly what it is. It's a power grab from Democrats. Well, let's do a little history here. Initially, the people who got to do the redistricting were the party that controlled the governor's office. That's the way it started. Then, White won the governorship in Arkansas. The House and the Senate were still controlled by the Democrats, so they passed legislation that said you had to have, I think, two of the three constitutional offices, whoever had the two of the three, then they got to do the redistricting so that the Republicans didn't get to do the redistricting then. Now the Republicans have won every constitutional office, and out of the blue, here comes David Couch, backed by money from Democrats over in Texas, trying to change it again to say we're gonna we got to have this uh, you know panel or whatever council or whatever you want to call it that the people are going to put in, but it's going to be put in a lot of it's going to be put in by politicians as well so that the Democrats continue to have power in redistricting. No, you're exactly right. And listen to this. This is what you want to talk about, just, you know, transparency. I mean, this is this is the group that's that are running that is running uh, these two amendments. Uh, this was a quote in the paper, and this is how misleading it is. It's very, very frustrating. Uh, quote, as we have seen over the past decades, uh, our, and this is about redistricting, our maps have become more distorted. And again, it is not a party issue, she said. We have seen Democrats draw very bad maps also. You've only seen Democrats. Right. That's right. That's maps. all. Yeah, they're and the only ones that have done it. And that's what the most frustrating thing about this is they act like, well, this has been an issue on both sides. It hasn't. It has not. And here's the thing, too. You know, some people may say, well, you know, even, you know, maybe, uh, you know, it's, it's terrible for Republicans, but, you know, isn't it right to go ahead and move forward with a more fair process, even if the Democrats didn't for 138 years? Let me explain something to folks out there. This is set up, and you're right, Dave, through history, every time you know Republicans got any sort of power, the Democrats would try to change it. This is a reflection of the electorate. That is exactly what it is. Uh, and when this was put in place where it had to be you know, the, the governor, the attorney general, and the secretary of state, they were you know, all Democrats, or you know, yep. two, two out of the three were Democrats, and then they were all Democrats for a period of time, and now they're all Republicans. It is it is right. The way it is set up is is, in my opinion, the right way to have it set up. And it is a reflection of the electorate here in Arkansas. And the electorate is red. All the Democrats are trying to do is manufacture wins uh, on the ballot. Uh, and if you can't win, you cheat. That's what they're doing. So it's just very, very important for people to, to take that, remember it and spread the word. OK, last thing. And then we're going to get Seth back into this conversation. I just got a text. And it says the state board of elections commissioners now reviews the ballot titles rather than the AG. The law changed last session. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if I'm not mistaken, Republicans uh, basically control the state board of election commissioners, don't they? Ooh, sure. So the the election commissioners are determined by the party in the majority, which, as you noted, back when Winthrop Rockefeller was elected governor, 
It used to be the office of the governor. Then when a Republican came along and got elected, then they tossed that to a majority, quote unquote, of constitutional offices because Democrats still held all the other uh, offices. And so that's, you know, and and to Jr.'s point earlier, the big thing on the on these two initiatives are Democrats want to change not only who you vote for based on where you live, but they want to change how you vote with ranked choice voting. You know, we all grew up one man, one vote. And they want to do sort of away with that, giving some people additional votes on who they want to select, uh, which benefits second and third place runners up. Yeah, we haven't explained how this works. This is crazy. Sure. And so the ranked choice voting, you'll walk in and you will rank your selection. So if we go to 2016, you'll say my first choice for president is Jill Stein. Well, Jill Stein for the Green Party won't get enough votes, obviously, to uh, cause any ruckus over. And so we'll say, okay, take those voters that voted for Jill Stein, give their votes to their second choice pick. So Jill Stein may be my first pick, but Hillary Clinton may be my second pick. And so now, as opposed to that vote counting towards Jill Stein, now that's an additional vote for Hillary. And you will go up that way until somebody reaches a majority. Yeah, you got to understand now, if somebody, if there's eight people running, and somebody gets 50 plus one, all right, they win. But typically that's not the case. So if you're not there, then you go to this second, to the people who you take the top two, then you take the rest of them and go to their second choices. Yep. That's crazy. So it doesn't benefit the person that will receive the plurality of votes. Again, it benefits the people that are second and third choices. And in the state of Arkansas, Generally speaking, conservative Republicans will be the primary choice. So who do you think the secondary choices are? This is written by people that are in a super minority in the state legislative chamber that realize they can't win a lot of races outright. Right. So let's make the rules so confusing, so misleading. It's it's misleading if you can understand to be misled. But when you look at a page and a half of 11 point font, sometimes you can't even be smart enough to be misled. It's so convoluted. Well, or you go blind before you get to the end of it. No sure. kidding. You're going to have all, all these people are going to be wanting to vote. And, you know, the the initiated acts, even though they're really, really important, most people don't look at, at them typically as important. Don't pick one or two that they think is important. Let's put it this way. The people you that wrote that this. When you walk up to the polling place, that's crazy. The people that wrote this can't make it any more simpler than a page and a half of single-spaced 11-point font. They can't explain it in all of their millions they want to put behind this and their fancy crafted language. They can't make this more understandable than what they have submitted. This is amazing. It really is. And Yeah, and you know, and I, I will say too, just quickly. I know we got to get to a break, but look, the way to break this out easily for folks to understand, it's the top four uh, vote getters in the in an open primary. So basically, in Arkansas, you're going to have more Republicans come out of that than a Democrat, and it's set up to where you know, let's just say 2020, it's a, you know, let's say it's a, uh, you know, uh, Tim Griffin, Leslie Rutledge, Sarah Sanders, and a Democrat, and those are the top four vote getters. Uh, going into the general, obviously, you know, the Republicans are going to split that vote uh, when you do a ranked choice and the Democrats going to benefit. And so that to me is the most clear cut sort of yep. example to say this is a backdoor attempt for Democrats to win a statewide office like governor. And it is very, very important uh, to point that out when you talk to folks. 
You know, Tucker might really like this, though. I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're right. Sorry. Sure. I'm sorry. That's who I'm expecting to run for governor in a couple of years mm-hmm. on the Democrat side, to be honest. He's he's the only bench player I think people in Arkansas kind of know about name wise, and they don't even know about him that much. Uh, he's going to try to get into the House. I think it was the state Senate. Senate. He's going to mm-hmm. try to get into the state Senate uh, this November. We'll. We'll see if uh, if that happens or not. Guys, we've got to take a break. You are absolutely correct. I've trained you well. JR, you knew the break was coming up. Let's take that. <laughs> Let's go to the news, and then we'll come back with more. We continue, and uh, JR Davis is here from the Gilmore Group. He's by phone. Seth uh, is here from uh, the Republican uh, Committee in Arkansas, the Arkansas GOP. I wanted to... To bump him up to the uh, <laughs> the RNC, but he worked with them for a while in a former lifetime. Sure, yeah, <laughs> yeah you were there. Uh, this is why we, for a while there, we were getting all these big names on the show because Seth would call me and say, "Hey, we got this person, we got that person." The new guy does mm-hmm. the same thing. Yep. yep. I just I just haven't had time to get him on. Sure. Yeah, I wanted to talk. Lo- I like to talk local stuff. Mm-hmm. So we're talking very local now. We're talking about. Uh, protecting your uh, way that people are elected and ways that the uh, uh, districts are are set up here in the state. And now that the Democrats have no power to do either one, uh, they're trying to change the law so that they can find some modicum of power that they can work with. So uh, let's talk a little bit. I, I just got this uh, in, and a person says to me, Dave, notice that they're calling it an open primary, which, of course, means something different than a jungle primary. Maybe I should let you guys talk between yourselves, and you guys can explain to the listeners the difference between an open primary, which sounds very nice, and a jungle primary, which should make you pause. So uh, let's start with you, Seth. Tell us the difference. Sure. So the jungle primary is a system like you have in Louisiana. Uh, You've seen California adopt this, too, which is everybody, regardless of party, everybody appears on the ballot. So you wound up with a situation in California when Kamala Harris was running for the Senate in 2016. In the general election in California, your choices were two Democrats. There was not a Republican on the ballot. They say that this encourages the more moderate, middle-of-the-road candidates to come out uh, of the primary system, that you could wind up with two Democrats, and one of the Democrats would be incentivized to campaign towards Republicans. Well, I don't know anybody that looks at Kamala Harris and says, there is my middle-of-the-road centrist on political philosophy. So they say the jungle primary gets certain results. I haven't seen that borne out to be so an open primary is where opposite a closed primary is where anybody of any party affiliation can come in and vote so if you had a like what we got in arkansas right sure correct and so many people in fact probably the majority i don't have the exact numbers when they registered to vote they didn't select a party and they're by default or they did select optional which is sort of our our option on the registration form to be an independent 
And so that person, even if you're a registered Democrat, you could jump over and vote in the Republican primary or a registered Republican can vote in the Democratic primary. And that's why here on this show, you've heard me constantly for at least the last decade yell that we need closed primaries. There's reasons for that. JR, you want to add to that? I think uh, Seth kind of hit the nail on the head. I mean, yes, you know, what we have right now is an open primary in Arkansas. I think, Dave, to your point is, you know, I think that's why this is part of that. So people aren't, oh, you know, super freaked out, right? It's just like, oh, it seems similar to what we have now. Uh Again, it's just this whole idea of, you know, uh, kind of bait and switch. And and it's not a uh, – what frustrates me, Dave, is if – if you if you really believe in this idea and you think it's fair, then say it, you know, and, and let people understand it for what it is. Uh, this, that's not what's happening here. It's not transparency at all. Again, if I say it once, I'll say it a million times before November. This is a backdoor attempt mm-hmm. by Democrats to take the state back over. Uh, and that's the only way they're going to be able to do it at a statewide office is to create an opportunity uh, for you know to to basically uh, hedge their bets or stack the deck in favor of the Democratic Party, um, and that's exactly what these two proposals would do. Okay, now with these two proposals, does a person have to say they're running as a Republican or a Democrat or a Libertarian or a Green Party? Can they just run and not have any letter next to them? You would still be filing. Okay, you still have <laughs> yeah, to right. file. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So my understanding, and again, you know, Seth can correct me if I'm wrong here, but this would just it'd be the exact same way things are right now in Arkansas, uh, except that you would take the top four vote getters in both primaries, like make it all together, um, and they would move on to the general, uh, and that's where the ranking choice part would take place and that's what the scary part is for republicans because again you know look at the last few elections you're going to have more republicans uh, you're, it's not going to be two two it's usually going to be you're, you're going to have probably three to one republicans coming out of that uh with one democrat and so you'll have democrats unite behind one uh republicans you know divided between candidates um and and then it'll benefit the democrats so that's what I think people have to be very aware of, uh, and that's my understanding of how this process would work. So. Well, and this is – it's so transparent, too. We were talking about right. in a break on the issue of redistricting. The first time that the Board of Apportionment, the governor, secretary of state, and attorney general started this drawing of districts began after the census in 1940. This was passed by a constitutional amendment in 1936, and so the first time it was applied would have been four or five years later. And the Democrats were okay with this system in 1940. They were okay in 1950, and in 60, 70, 80, and 1990, in 2000, and in 2010. Now, in 2020, they are not okay with it. Put those eight decades, those eight, nine years, stretched out on a piece of paper— And tell me who controlled government in each of those decades. And you will find that it was Democrats from 1940 up until 2010. You still had Governor Mike Beebe and Attorney General Dustin McDaniel Mm -hmm. outvoting Secretary of State Republican Mark Martin. That's correct. And so they have up until this year 
controlled how districts are drawn. So anytime you hear somebody say Republicans are the party of gerrymandering, Republicans have literally never drawn the lines in the state of Arkansas. That's correct. Yeah, the the finger up to there, the Fayetteville finger, wasn't a Republican well, concoction. That was a Democrat concoction. And Jason Rapert can tell you that from the first time he ran to his Senate state Senate district today, there are only two areas that have remained the same, of course, one of which that he lived in. You can't literally draw him out. So, so Governor Beebe and Attorney General McDaniel entirely redrew that district in hopes to get Senator Rapert out. Guess what? They failed. They did. <laughs> and they failed to keep Republicans from getting elected. Of course, we achieved our supermajority, a three-fourths majority in the State House and Senate after uh, this redistricting, after Democratic rules. So they drew the rules. We still achieved the supermajority that we are in the state. And now they want to convolute the rules so much because if we can't win outright, just make it confusing. Because when you throw everything up in the air, who knows what's going to land where? And that's what they're hoping on. All right. So I I, I decided to talk about this today because I have not heard anybody else talking about it. I have not heard anybody on any of the news channels really talking about this. Uh, I saw that uh, State Senator Kim Hammer has uh, yesterday uh, brought this up. And uh, I was just notified uh, of the uh, the primary one yesterday. I knew about the redistricting one, but I was kind of holding my cannon fodder uh, un- until we saw what happened, uh, you know, what was going to go down. I still got well, my fingers crossed that neither one of them get approved. Well, I think that to your point, I mean, I don't know if there's a lot of people really paying attention to the – uh, rank choice amendment. I think everybody was kind of paying attention to redistricting, whether or not they get the signatures, that sort of thing. Um, but look, I think it's a, uh, uh, I think it's a good thing that we're talking about it now. We need to continue to talk about it. And, and uh, I, I'm with you, Dave, uh, you know, uh, here's hoping we can uh, stop it before it gets on the ballot, but we need to start treating it like it's going on the ballot uh, and educating voters uh, as such, uh, so we can have a uh, an educated opposition uh, to mm-hmm. this. Because here's the thing: the redistricting, and and you know, I think the ranked choice to me is is easier to oppose because it's just so complex. Uh, and I think a lot of people will uh, it'll be easier for them to understand that, you know, as far as, Hey, this is too complicated. I'm not voting for it. The redistricting on its face seems like a good idea. Right. And so what you're going to have is you're going to have even some sort of Republicans who just tend to vote Republican. They're maybe not, you know, uh, maybe they'll pay attention to everything going on or going to see it and be like, Oh, this makes sense. We should do that. It must be a Republican thing. And, you know, Republicans are, are wanting to make this more fair. Uh, that to me is a scary part is that you have to be able to educate voters uh, now up until the election. So they understand that this is bad for Arkansas. Uh, It it is is an unfair process um, and it does not reflect uh, the electorate uh, in this state as it is right now. All right. We need to take a break. When we come back, I would like both of you to address that, They're trying to make this sound like 
this was not a fair way of redistricting and this new way will let the people be heard more and thus makes it better the thing you got to remember as you vote yay or nay on this is that the democrats have been in control for over a hundred years if it was unfair why didn't they change it before mm-hmm. now when they fell out of power? That's the question that has to be asked. It's 14 minutes to 7, a break. Uh, J.R. Davis is with us, uh, and uh, he'll, he's with the Gilmore Group, and we're going to talk more with him. And, of course, uh, Seth is here. Seth is with the Arkansas GOP. We're going to talk more with him. And you got to get a business card, so I got the exact term <laughs> of your of your holding. We'll stick it on a got. post-it. Yeah, yep. you're going to have to do that. And then we'll be back, and and we'll also talk about the uh, the sisters of the poor. We want to talk about that big Supreme Court mm. uh, justices seven uh, two opinion yesterday. ACA loses again, uh, and that's good. We'll be back and talk about it. All right, what a great hour with uh, Jr. and with Seth, and talking about these uh, different initiated acts that could end up on the uh, ballot in November. Hopefully they won't. Uh, hopefully the uh, board of uh, uh, commissioners, election commissioners, will look at the title of that uh, redistricting bill and say, you've got to be joking. It'll take a little bit to look at the title. Yeah, it? it'll take them time to read it. <laughs> it's crazy. So, uh jr it's uh, it's it's going to be an interesting year uh i'm going to play a piece of audio in the next hour i want you to know about it uh the vice president yesterday announced that we have now tested 10 percent of the american population that uh, if i get that correct that's about 38 million people i think is what he said and uh, that is why we're seeing more instances of people that were asymptomatic suddenly showing up that they had you know COVID-19 and whatever but the death the mortality rate uh, and when people say 50,000 cases oh my god and they think people are dying like flies then out there uh, in America no go to my Facebook page and look at the charts look at the graphs when you look at the people who are getting this disease, it goes straight up, basically. When you look at the people who are dying from this disease, it goes almost straight down now. It looks like it fell off the table, which is showing us that it is not as deadly as they had thought at the very beginning. And the majority of people who are dying from this are over 80 years old. And I I know people say well why do you keep telling us that dave because that's good news <laughs> it's it's good news it's not good news that anybody's dying but that when you look at it it's it's just a tad over two percent the flu with a vaccine is one percent duh i rest my case i've been talking about this from the beginning haven't i jr you have you have been uh, following it, and I do think it's uh, you know anytime you have a pandemic like this, as time goes by, uh, it, it does 
uh, help when you have doctors who, you know, they start to understand it better, they can treat it better. Uh, though that's why you see, I think, in a lot of cases too, while hospitalizations in Arkansas have gone up, uh, the there's been hospitalizations in, in other states that have gone down. Again, I think just as time goes by, uh, you know, you're able to take better care of your patients and understand exactly what this right. is. So I do think we're moving in the right direction, and that is big. That you know, 38 million. Uh, Americans have been tested. Uh, that's 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 what we need, and that's good to see that it's happening. They're doing it. The president, everybody called him, basically. They don't use the word liar. They use all kinds of words that insinuate lying. And they said, when he said that the death rate was going down, infection rate was going up, death rate had gone down significantly, everybody's going, oh, no, no, I got Go on my Facebook page. I got the the graph. You can look at it. And the CDC said yesterday, if the death rate falls just a tad more, we will pass out of epidemic status uh, here in uh, the United States. Now, that is good news. Absolutely. And, And to the point you made, we have made so much progress when it comes to testing. You know, we're getting ready for next month. The Republican Party to meet yeah, in listen Jacksonville to this, for our national convention to renominate uh, President Donald Trump, and of course we want to take all the precautions necessary, which will include daily testing. And you're going to have around fifteen thousand people. So in Jacksonville alone, you're going to have somewhere near sixty thousand tests conducted in four days, and that's in one area. And that would have seemed unimaginable at the start of this, which I think shows. Just, first of all, the spirit of American entrepreneurs, when you look at aspects of of what the president has done, like the Defense Production Act in procuring ventilators to make sure that we don't meet those shortages. We talked uh, early this morning, and if you remember, Governor Cuomo said that they were going to have such a shortage of ventilators in New York, they'd have to stick two people on a ventilator at a time. They'd have to split. They outfitted the Javits Center with all these beds that thankfully went unused uh, because American manufacturers stepped up to make sure we had the equipment for ventilators, for testing, for PPP, that we were never in those doomsday scenarios that they projected. And now our testing capabilities, like you said, we're at 10% and we're only going to go north from there. All right. So, JR, pretty soon you'll be able to come out of your house. I'm never coming out, Dave. <laughs> I'm never coming out. <laughs> And I'll be able to get maybe I, I'll talk to him next hour. Robert Steinbach will be here. Maybe he'll come out of his house, you know, and, and join me back here in the studio again because uh, we've been having uh, a lot of people getting back in the studio. Seth, you know, I said, uh, you know, we do it by phone, and he says, I'll come in. And I said, see you tomorrow then. Yep. <laughs> and I'm, I'm good to see faces again. That's right. So you've been, you, you've stayed healthy and you're doing well then. Is that right, JR? Oh, yeah. Yeah, just uh, things are picking up, and everybody <clears throat> seems to be getting busier and busier, which is a good thing. I think a good sign for the mm-hmm. economy and uh, and business. Uh, but, yes, yeah, so far just, uh, you know, doing what I can to, to stay safe um, and until we start, like you said, moving out of that pandemic uh, definition and, and, and everybody's uh, doing a lot better about things. But I feel good. Things are good. Uh, just playing it safe. I got you. Well, we appreciate you joining us today. It's always a pleasure to have you on. We'll see you next Thursday. All right, bro? That sounds good, Dave. Thanks for having me on. Always a treat. All right. 
Later, J.R. Davis from the Gilmore Group here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. Seth, is you going to stick around? I've got to leave, actually. Oh, you I've got, got to bounce leave. on you. Okay. Well, you go ahead. Robert Steinbach could be here. Of course, he's a uh, uh, law professor over at the Bowen School of Law, and his uh, opinions are his and his alone, and only his, not necessarily the School of Law or the university, although if they were smart, it would be. We'll be back with more. After the news, that's coming up next here on the Dave Ellswick Show. hour uh seth we appreciate him coming in seth may coming in today appreciate jr davis being on today uh interesting hour i meant to get to some other things but uh the this is two local issues that you need to be aware of it now so you'll be ready for it when it comes up uh in november on your ballot now it might not be on your ballot i mean when i look at the Ballot title for the Arkansas Citizens Redistricting Commission Amendment, which is single-spaced, small font, and it's a page and a half. I think that the people who make the decision on that title are going to say, ain't no way we go along with that. And it's the State Board of Election Commissioners now who do that, and uh, it is not the AG. Uh, who does that now? So uh, I don't see how anybody could put that this on on the ballot. To be honest with you, because it's the title is a page and a half, and then the law itself is how many pages here? Hold on, let me look at this. Nine, ten, ten pages. Ten. Pa- Can you see that, Heidi? It's thick. I mean, Robert, it's crazy. Did you get to hear any of that discussion this morning? No, unfortunately, I did not. I'm going to send you a copy of this. You're going to freak out when you see okay. it. it. I look forward. There's a, a group, evidently in Texas. I, I forget the name now. Arnold, I think, was the name of the family. And there are the people that were behind Enron. All right. And they're the ones that are putting up the money to try to get this redistricting commission amendment on and trying to get the open primary and change how the primary is run and all of that on the ballot as well. 
because, look, they can't get the changes done in Texas, so they'll get them done next door. And so they're coming over here and going through uh, David Couch, who's the person who, of course, uh, does a lot of these initiated acts, and uh, he's out uh, trying to get it all, uh, all, you know, done. So it's amazing. Mm-hmm. It really is. I'll send it to you during the I'll next break. I'll have to take break. a look. Yes, uh, sir. Yes, know, sir. When you look at it, I, I, I will bet you, when you look at it, when we come back from that break, you're going to say, Dave, I've got to talk about this. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> I bet, I I bet believe you, you say that. Uh, people need to know this, man. They're tr- look, the Democrats are such a minority party now. They are grasping at straws to try to find themselves some power to be able to, you know, redistrict and, uh, you know, try to be able to uh, get some people elected because everybody's Mm -hmm. getting their butt handed to them. Now they know how it feels. (laughs) The way it goes. Okay. Let me ask this question to you because it's a, a big story. We didn't get to it in the last hour, and I did want to bring this up. 7-2 decision yesterday by the Supreme Court. Uh, You had the case of Trump versus Pennsylvania, a related one, Little Sisters of the Poor versus Pennsylvania. This is the third time that the uh, uh, ACA's contraceptive coverage requirement has reached the Supreme Court, and it has lost uh, three times now. Do you think that... Religious liberty, finally, we can maybe say that it has prevailed? Well, I never like to be overconfident, uh, nor to take victory laps. But I do think that we are on fairly good footing, at least as of today, regarding religious liberty. And here's what this case is about and the interesting point for your audience, Dave. Of course, the First Amendment has two separate protections in it regarding religious liberty. And the Obama administration uh, attempted, not only attempted, but did in fact for some time, impose an obligation on religious organizations to provide birth control for free, by the way. I love this. Everything's for free. If you actually have to pay for it, oh my goodness, for free as as part of health coverage. And, of course, many um, uh, religious groups don't agree with birth control. Uh, I have no problem if people, people's personal opinion is that, well, I like birth control or I think it's a good thing for society, whatever. And the beauty of individual rights, Dave, as you well recognize, is those people can say, therefore, I'm actually going to spend some of my own money on birth control. Right. But this uh, um, dictate uh, from the dear leader during the Obama administration was whether or not it comports with your religious obligations, you must provide birth control to all of your employees. So needless to say, these religious organizations went to court and said, that's contrary to our religious beliefs. And the court has, as you aptly point out, now repeatedly said, you can't force a religious organization to violate its religious beliefs under this statutory mandate regarding 
health insurance. Yeah, you're making them go con- completely against their religious conscience. That's right. That's right. And that's always but, been one of the v- major tenets of coming to this country, to be able to, you know, uh, worship in the manner you want to worship. Oh, Dave, uh, sometimes I, uh, I, 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 you see it coming, don't you? You can, you, yeah. you, I am foreshadowing. I, I, I really enjoy your naivete. Uh, you have the formula too simple. You see, if you come from another country with a non-dominant religious or social belief, well, of course, then we have value relativism in which we say whatever you want to do is fine. But if you are a Christian or an observant Jew uh, or even an observant um, member of another established religion, well, the left don't want to hear from you. They just call that bigotry. They, they just call that ignorance. Remember, according to President Obama, uh, people were just clinging to their guns and Bibles. Yeah. By the way, by the way, here's the thing, Dave. What else should you be clinging to? Yeah. What's your alternative? Uh, the the Communist Manifesto. What what else are you clinging to? I cling to my family. I cling to my religious beliefs. And darn Tootin, I will make sure that my family and I are well protected through whatever appropriate means uh, I can undertake. So what else are they looking for us to cling to? But they're looking for us to cling to communitarian values. That is, we cling to, we should cling to whatever they believe it. Uh-huh. They'll take care of you, Dave. What are you worried about? Yeah, just, Don't like, worry. just like the Democrats are taking care of uh, the Christians and Jews out in California, where they tell you you can't sing in a service. Or well, when uh, blah, 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 Blasio in New York says you can't have a funeral. That's right. That's right. And, and now one of the senior um, officials from the Obama administration has declared that he no longer believes in the state of Israel. That's it. He's not even, now, here's what I do appreciate, appreciate about that statement. Well, we knew it all along, right? They no. just now come out in the open and said it. The same way that Obama's, uh, quote, inadvertent, end quote, statement about uh, Bibles and guns uh, demonstrated his antipathy towards religion. We've always known that the Obama administration has had an antipathy towards Israel. Right. Right. Now, of course, observant Christians and Jews alike are friends of Israel. Why? A, non-religious reasons, meaning it is the only democratic state in the region. The only. I thought we believe in democratic values, Dave. Oh, well, you see, we believe in some democratic values, sometimes depending what our goals are. Well, I'm, of course, mocking the left. Of on course, that you have to mock the right. left because it, it, right. they carry it over to everything. You know, That's you, right. you know, you can't believe the way you you're a white supremacist if you're a white male uh, and uh, straight and a conservative. But if you're a white male, straight and a Democrat, you get a, a free pass. We, we saw that recently. 
recently. I forgot who it, it happened so often. Oh, that was the the Jimmy Kimmel yes. goes on a two month vacation. Hey, I'm just going on a summer break. Uh, fast forward about seven and a half seconds, and it was released that what, what was it? He uh, was doing blackface. Yeah, don't pay attention to the blackface that I did for years. Don't, That's right. Don't uh, don't uh, pay attention to how. I made fun of women for years on the man show. Right, right. And again, this is not conservatives saying that uh, each and every one of his acts uh, was an abomination. This is conservatives pointing out the hypocrisy of the left. Yes. And we did that a lot. We got to get a break in, Robert. Let's do that. And then we'll We'll uh, come back and continue speaking. We got more things to talk about than just the Supreme Court. But that was a big, big decision yesterday and and it wasn't a 5-4 it was a 7-2 the the minority uh, was written by Ginsburg if I'm not mistaken I don't know who joined her in the minority but uh, was it Mayor? Okay so they're the ones that uh, wrote the minority opinion the majority man everybody was on this one they really really were All right, we'll take a break we'll come back with more Robert Steinbach is our guest here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about PI Roofing and what they can do for you as far as keeping your roof in great condition. I know that you've been keeping your mind on this COVID-19 and, uh, you know, you you may have um, hunkered down at your house, and but you've noticed maybe uh, when we've had a couple of rainstorms over the last few weeks that you maybe have a, a leak in your roof, and but you're afraid to break your social distancing. You don't have to worry about that with PI Roofing. Uh, you call them at 707-3551, and they can do everything that you need to get done to get your roof fixed over the phone. Uh, they'll take care of the talking to the uh, appraiser for the insurance company and, and all the rest. Uh, or if you don't want to do it by phone, do it by the Internet. Go to piroofing.com. And they'll answer all your questions there. Uh, They want to protect you and uh, your health, and they protect the health of their workers as well. That's PI Roofing. The phone number again, 707-3551, or on the Internet at piroofing.com. Let's do traffic and weather. We do it here on uh, 101.1 FM, The Answer. Let's get the uh, latest. 287619 dollars it's a lot of money at least it is to me now there may be some people that's just pocket change but for me that's a lot of money and i would love to have that kind of money as i go into retirement and that's how much a little rock couple could save in taxes with their uh, ira and 401k thanks to the tax planning strategies from david lucas financial right here in little rock you've heard david right here on my show we are very good friends he used to be part of my power panel and now here he is doing this thing uh with retirement tax analysis if you've saved more than two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, be one of the first 10 callers to schedule your free uh, analysis right now at 501-222-3315 Do you have an IRA or a 401k? Most people do. Learn how much money in taxes you could save by calling 501-222-3315. Again, 501-222-3315. 
Investment advisory services offered through David Lucas Financial, an Arkansas registered investment advisor. All right, back to uh, Robert Steinbach here on the, the Dave Ellswick Show. And uh, I didn't send you that uh, that information I promised you. I will send it to, at the bottom of the hour. Mm-hmm. Did, did you happen to see the article yesterday from the New York Times by Thomas Friedman? And he says, I worry about Joe Biden debating Donald Trump. He should do it only under two conditions. Otherwise, he's giving Trump unfair advantages. First, Biden should declare that he will take part in a debate only if Trump releases his tax returns for 2016 through 2018. Biden has already done so, and they're on his website. Trump must, too. Hey, Thomas, no, he doesn't. Uh, no one more gifting Trump something he can attack while hiding his own questionable finances. And second, Biden should insist that a real-time fact-checking team approved by both candidates be hired by the nine nonpartisan Commission on Presidential Debates and that 10 minutes before the scheduled conclusion of the debate, this team report on any misleading statements phony numbers or outright lies either candidate had uttered like 120 people have died from COVID-19 that way no one in that massive television audience can go away easily misled so there you go that that's the only way he'd say Biden should do do a debate Dave this is the new orthodoxy don't you understand that I, as an academic, you as a journalist, uh, anybody in the public uh, who is an individual is not entitled to be heard unless the approved body of fact confirmers sit in judgment in real time dictating whether or not what you said is true. Right. This And remember, truth is determined by what the left says truth is. There is no actual truth. It's all political. Yeah, that's that's interesting. We were talking about this Tuesday in the Bible, guys, and someone asked us what I thought was the number one problem uh, within the church. And I said the number one problem is that there is only one truth. And it's contained in Holy Scripture. Everybody doesn't have their own truth. You don't like to save the phrase, my truth? Oh, I hate that. My truth. I hate Isn't that. Isn't that wonderful? Here are the facts, but here's my truth. Uh-huh. It's such utter absurdity. Yeah, it's nonsense. I recall there was a movement afoot at my law school uh, copying, not copy, but in engaging in behavior similar that we see similarly across the country to put up something on the website by the faculty regarding um, the recent events, uh, killing the police killings. So another colleague, uh, in response to that uh, movement, 
which ultimately didn't uh, transpire, uh, sent out an email and said, I don't think this is the biggest problem in society right now. I think factory farming, says my colleague, is the biggest problem in society right now. Now, what's interesting about that is you don't have to agree with either one. You can agree with one. Uh, You can't, as a matter of logic, I guess, agree with both. But the point is each individual is entitled to his view as to what is a big problem or the biggest problem in society today. And you saw a significant disparity in the two examples that I just described to you uh, between two faculty members. And the point is, go, ahead. go ahead. No, 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 no. You finish up. I was just going to say, and the point is that that's what we're supposed to be about. People have different views. They can share their views. But then the conformity police come in. Let's put this up. Uh, on the website to be clear that statement that uh, let's put this up on the website is a statement being made across this country by academic uh, organizations we talked we talked about this for a whole hour yesterday the cancel culture it's 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 absolutely incredible yeah it really you don't subscribe Go ahead. We got to take a break. I just want to jump yeah, in. If you don't subscribe to the orthodoxy, well, then you're held in disrepute, aren't you? You're canceled. You're canceled. That's exactly what happens. And here's the key that I tried to point out to everybody. The left thought they were safe. They're not. Because yesterday, right. the cancel culture said that Disney needs to pull down Hamilton because of the issues that they took care of let's talk with rush he's up now on the dave ellswick show all right we continue here on the uh, the dave ellswick show robert steinbach is my guest remember robert is a uh, professor of law at the bowen school of law here in little rock his opinions are his and his alone and not necessarily those of the university or the bowen school of law or as i like to say they should be but they probably are not. All right, so the trans community, uh, Robert, is furious over the letter condemning the cancel culture. Some people on the left uh, put together a letter, and they published it, and they signed it. And uh, I'm trying to think some of the people that signed it were uh, Rowling and uh, um, who else, Steinem and, and some other folks saying that, You know, canceling people from stating their views is not what this country is all about. Well, somehow, according to the trans community, that's transphobic. Uh, Here's what the Wall Street Journal said. The online left, which can't decide whether left-wing censorship is a myth invited by its enemies on the right or a necessary tactic for destroying them, erupted at this betrayal. It wasn't, uh, you know, able to handle the, uh, the letter, and then the renunciations began. Jennifer Finney Boylan, a frequent New York Times contributor who had signed the letter, uh, let it off and asked for forgiveness on Twitter, She had not realized that not all the signatories were of the caliber of the socialist intellect of uh, Chomsky, she wrote. Quote, the consequences, she added, are mine to bear. I am sorry. 
unbelievable. You got a genuflect now in front of these people. And like I said, Disney's got to figure out what they're going to do in answering the, the attack on um, uh, Hamilton and uh, Barry, who had taken a role where she was going to play a transgender man in a movie, uh, was shamed outright by these people. And they said, or she said, I should have known that basically the only person that can play a trans person is a trans person. I thought it was acting. You know, I I thought it was, can, if, if you've got a, you know, a voice on, on The Simpsons now, if you're a white person, you can't do the voice of a black person. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah. They, they said that they won't let anybody that's white do a person of color. So you can't act anymore. Okay. We had talked about on your show some time ago when the actor Jeffrey Tamborn, I think it is, uh-huh. who uh, played a trans character uh, on an HBO show. I forget the name now. Uh, some name, something like that. Something with trans in it, I think, even in the title. Um, and he got some award. And he gets up and he stands up receiving the award. And he goes, I hope I'm the last straight actor to play a trans character. And we discussed, we were, as we always are, Dave, ahead of the time. And we said two things. One is, just like you said, I thought it's acting. Yeah. I didn't know you need to actually get the coal miner to play the coal miner <laughs> because otherwise it's not a, like the Remember that movie, Coal Miner's Daughter? Oh, yeah. Uh, what was that? Uh, Jody, um, oh, that was, famous actress. Yeah, that right? was a Sissy Spacek. Sissy Spacek, that's right, sorry. Uh, so uh, I, I don't think Sissy Spacek was indeed a coal miner's daughter. Never was. She should be canceled. <laughs> right. So she should be canceled for that reason. But the second point that we brought up was, isn't it convenient? How is often the case when people apply uh, race uh, and gender and preference filters uh, above merit that it's always the next guy? So Jeffrey Tamborn says, I hope the next guy that gets hired is is trans for a trans character. Wait a second, Jeffrey. You can quit your job today. And they can say, Jeffrey Tamborn's being replaced by so-and-so who is a trans actor. Yep. Why can't you do that? Yeah, you why do don't that you all give the time up? on television. Just give right? it up. Just give it up. But they, you see, the people on the left are hypocrites. They want the other guy to give up the position. And it always is another guy, right? Yeah. But not, but not themselves. Well, we need to hire uh, people in this category, says the person not in that category. Hey, why don't you open up another spot and give your spot? To the person in the category that you think should be hired based on their sex or their race or their uh, sexual preference, etc. Why don't you give up your spot instead of giving up the spot, volunteering the spot of some third party who doesn't have the position yet because you're so noble with other people's rights. That's what Marxism is all about, of course. Pitting groups against each other while those in power always keep their power. Yeah. And we see it all the time in bureaucracies across this country, governmental bureaucracies. Government bureaucrats say, well, we need to hire this person for this reason. Well, what about you? 
Why aren't you giving up your spot? Well, you see, I'm doing the good of, for the public. I'm, I'm, I'm the train conductor, making sure it all happens. That's yeah. the hypocrisy of the left. Yeah, I'm, I don't disagree with that. I will give credit to uh, Scarlett Johansson and to Halle Berry because they both stepped away from the parts before they took the parts because they were shamed out of taking the parts. It's just amazing to me. They, 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 they bought into the cancel culture, yep. essentially saying, oh, well, I didn't realize that I'm not allowed to play a, in this case, transgendered individual, so I'm going to uh, step away from the part. I, yeah. I disagree. Uh, to be clear, they're free to take or not take the, the part. But I disagree that they're unable to play a transgendered character simply because they happen to be not transgendered. I agree. I agree. Indeed. They cast them because they felt that they would be able to do that. That's why they cast them for the part now i guess if you're a casting agency you know you got more rules that you got to follow let's talk yeah, about that. Go, go ahead if you're a casting agency now you put the binders of your actors up on a shelf and you put labels on it uh cisgendered transgendered this race this sex and then you just pick amongst those as the positions come open right and the positions will say oh well we need a transgendered actor not a character a transgendered actor Mm -hmm. yeah okay yeah Mm -hmm. so tell us about this harvard professor steven pinker who holds the johnstone family chair of psychology and one of the most influential intellectual leaders in the world and now he's being attacked about freedom of speech. Well, it's more cancel culture, right? He has come out and said things like we need to look at the data on police shootings. There was uh, a, a report uh, that was discussed in the New York Times by a, fa- a famous economist, uh, I believe African-American economist, Uh, And he discussed it, in fact, in the New York Times, and he said that actually both sides are misinterpreting his data, both sides meaning the left and the right. Mm -hmm. And he said, there's no evidence that demonstrates that blacks are killed at a higher rate when considering all factors than whites by police. And then he said, however, there is evidence to support that uh, blacks are treated with more violence in police encounters than are whites. So that's. Yeah, but you break away from the narrative when you say the police aren't killing them. If anything, that's the the stronger narrative going or stronger. That's the the narrative that is of greater focus today in the media. Yes. And according to this economist from Harvard, who I believe is African-American, the data don't support that conclusion. I don't know. I didn't do the analysis. But here's an expert. But don't ask the left, because those are facts, Dave. And facts, if they don't agree with opinions and feelings, well, of course, we know which wins out. Opinions and feelings, not facts. The, the so-called party of science, the left, right, is not a party of science when it comes to the science of statistics. Yes. Well, the bottom line, if you don't tow the leftist line, they want to take away your ability to make a living now. Speak, Dave. 
It's beyond making a living, as you aptly point out. It's your ability to publicize your views, right? They did this to uh, J.K. Rowling as well. You had mentioned her a moment ago when she made a comment uh, that did not conform to the transgendered political ideology that one must adopt to be part of the woke left. Right. She said something like uh, to the effect of there was some quote about, oh, whether someone um, uh, menstruates, that's how the the person, the the author was characterizing uh, this group of people. And J.K. Rowling said, well, don't we just call those people women? Isn't isn't that the word? (laughs) No, no, that's the wrong thing to say. I thought the word for those people that menstruate or could have menstruated if they didn't go already through the change, right, Right, or if they don't have some other medical illness. I mean, it was spoken in a general way. Don't we call those people women? Apparently not. No. Apparently not. You you can only go so far. You got to understand that uh, they believe a man can be a woman. I, I, I love how they say that men are giving birth to babies now. And folks, that's not happening. That's a woman who identifies as a man who using her biological uh, bits and pieces gets pregnant like a normal woman does. I mean, and then, but they say because she identifies as a man, it's a man giving birth. You gotta be kidding me. This is the party of science. By the way, Dave, let me emphasize, as we always do, you and I both on this show, we both believe that all individuals are deserving of respect and you shouldn't be uh, harming individuals. Uh, But we can have an honest conversation about biology and the notion that a man gives birth is false. Simply false. Yeah, absolutely false. Party of science. And I I do believe that I, I can speak from my own uh, belief system that if you're a person who are, is biologically male, but you say I'm really a female, that you need you need help, you need therapy. I believe that as well. It'd be just like if somebody came up to me, one of my friends came up and said he identified as a gorilla. I I would want to get him some therapy. It's the same thing. Uh, and I don't subscribe to, to that view, but you're entitled to your view. Well, at least you're entitled to your view in conservative circles, right? Yes. Yeah. Not not in the left, man. They'll cancel me right. on that kind of stuff. Right. All right. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll pick it up when we come back and finish up. Let's talk about China's ominous new security laws that are designed to stop global activism, not just activism in their country, everywhere that's uh, coming back when uh, coming up when we come back here on the dave ellswick show all right let's finish up talking with uh, robert steinbach this hour he'll be with me in the next hour let me remind you that if you're listening to the show on the radio we're going to disappear and a uh, new show that took the place of gallagher is financial going, issues is live. going to be on so financial issues live uh, will be coming on. Now, I will be live uh, on Facebook in the 8 o'clock hour, and they're recording the hour, and they will play the hour 
in the six o'clock hour here at 101.1 fm the answer so robert if you want fix your dinner sit down turn on the radio uh, at six tonight and you can listen to yourself very interesting, Dave. I was unaware of that, and I'm glad you share that with your audience, that you will be back on the radio with today's show at 6 p.m. That's right. Uh, and, and I can listen to myself on the radio almost live. You can start arguing with yourself if you'd like. All the voices in my head are arguing <laughs> constantly, Dave. There's nothing new about that at all. I'm with you. I'm with you. Hey, let me read a great headline yesterday. From Bloomberg's opinion page. Are you ready? A lower a lower COVID-19 death rate is nothing to celebrate. So uh, having fewer people die is not a good thing? Evidently not. Doesn't meet the narrative. That's right. That's right. Just like, by the way, when people went out to uh, protest regarding police shootings. And I've got no problem with people protesting. Uh, It's indeed, it's sort of a core tenant in the United States. There was no concern, no concern, Dave, about transmitting the coronavirus. But when people tried to do that, er, when conservatives tried to do that earlier, oh, well, they were just being irresponsible. And in fact, there was an article in the New York Times in which an epidemiologist said, well, I support them going out to protest the police shooting issue, uh, even though I can't draw a scientific distinction between that and what conservatives have done previously. This is a scientist saying, I understand there's no difference, but there's some difference. Wait, what? Yeah. What? Yeah, it's just the way they are. All right. science, let, let me give you let me give you what China's doing now. Hollywood, the NBA, and even the Marriott are already working to be in compliance. China has long sought to uh, push organized dissent abroad through quiet threats and coercion. Now it has codified that practice into law, potentially forcing people and companies around the world to choose between speaking freely and ever stepping foot in Hong Kong again. Uh, This means that anyone advocating democracy in Hong Kong or criticizing the governments in Hong Kong or Beijing could potentially face consequences if they ever step foot in Hong Kong or Beijing or have assets or family members in Hong Kong. Look, Dave, you you describe this uh, as if there is something surprising about. I know I'm I'm teasing you. Let me be clear to your to you and your audience. Uh, You are actually, and I mean this sincerely, and we've talked online and offline about this. You are extremely well versed in international politics. Look, you've been in journalism for 50 years. So there's nothing surprising about that. And you've seen the ups and downs and well-recognized better than most. I mean that sincerely, that China is an agent of um, totalitarianism. And there is no notion of freedom when it comes to China. 
They are a totalitarian government, as was the Soviet Union, as is largely, frankly, the government in Russia today, uh, as were uh, fascist uh, states uh, in this world. They have no interest in rights and freedom. They have only interest in total control. By the way, you'll notice something in the media, a phenomenon happening more recently. There are movies that you will see made in China, you'll largely tell by, by two factors. In the end, they have the credits in both Chinese and English. Right. And, and you can tell the movie was shot in China, and much of the dialogue is in Chinese with subtitles, with w- generally only one famous American actor in it. And that's fine. They've decided to go into the movie production business. They're often entertaining movies. They always have a theme of how China has done something, almost always, let me qualify it, uh, has done something helpful to the United States. And the one I just watched last night, which was a good movie, I don't remember the name offhand, in which Emil Hirsch plays one of those pilots that you might recall in the in the beginning of World War II relative to the United States, uh-huh. right after Pearl Harbor was bombed. Uh, the United States sent bombers over to Japan, and then they bailed out after bombing Japan in yeah, China. Yeah, the Doolittle Raid. That's right, the Doolittle Raid. That's exactly right. And uh, China... Uh, the people of China saved those people, those Americans that bailed out the slightly less than 50 uh, Doolittle uh, officers and maybe non-officers. And uh, the Japanese at the time killed something like a quarter million Chinese looking for them. And the Chinese people absolutely helped the Americans and are deserving of great credit for that. But it's also propaganda by the current Chinese communist government for the purposes of uh, saying look we're the good guys yeah well, but, you know, let's let's get it right. let's get it right we'll talk about it when we come back yes sir and and that is the china people that you were talking about in world war ii are not the same kind of people that we talk about now as far as government goes because mao hadn't shown up yet all right we'll talk more in the next hour here on dave ellswick show live you can watch it on facebook you can listen to it at 6 o'clock tonight on 101.1 FM, The Answer. You'll be happy to know that uh, the uh, folks in the health department have said that the likely source of the virus surge that it happened was because of the campaign rally in Tulsa. <laughs> I see. So the campaign rally <laughs> causes a surge. By the way, let me be clear, Dave. I have not been in line with all of the conservative uh, positions to the extent you can claim they are regarding COVID, meaning I think people should be taking significant efforts to social distance. I think they should be wearing masks in public, uh, etc. Uh, however, why is it that the rally caused the 
spread of the disease, but then all of the activities regarding police shootings did not. That's my only inquiry. Why is it two levels of science, one for the activities of conservatives and a different level of science for the activities of the left? Well, yeah, I mean, it couldn't have been the protests about George Floyd that could have caused the surge. Uh, Of course not, because that basically was people of color uh, and uh, liberal progressives, uh, even anarchists that were behind all of that. And they are, of course, able not to get COVID-19. COVID-19 comes up, tests their body and says, whoop, 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 wait a second. These folks are lefties. Uh, I'm not going to infect them. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's so stupid. It's, it's just remarkable. It's so right? It's remarkable how it's a make-believe land. Right. Well, but Dave, but Dave, that's my truth. You see, that's right. That's my truth. That's my truth. My truth truth is that the the moon is made of cheese. You see Uh, that um, whatever I whatever I believe is harmful to me means you have violated my rights. And. And I guess I'll choose as the third. Uh, that biological males, uh, or no, not biological, that, that males can have um, uh, babies, right? Right. I, I'm just saying, you know, we're just, you know, there's no such thing as truth. That's, or be pregnant, I should be clear. And, and that, but that's what they'll tell you. Wives. There's no such yeah. thing as real truth. Look, we go all the way back to Pilate. What did Pilate say? When he had Christ there, he said, the truth, what's the truth? You know, he used it as a way out. All right. Mm -hmm. Despite recent polls that identified Joe Biden as a heavy favorite in 2020, a political science professor who I've had on this show still stands by his prediction model that shows President Trump having a 91% chance of winning in November. Yeah, Stony Brook professor Helmut Norpoth. Uh, The next time I have him on, because I've talked to him again, and we're going to have him on uh, probably towards the end of August, is doubling down now on his primary model, which has correctly predicted five out of the past six elections since 1996 and every single election but two in the past 108 years. The primary model gives Trump a 91% chance of winning in November. This model gets it right for 25 of the 27 elections since 1912 when primaries were introduced. The uh, two elections that the model failed to predict were the 1960 election of John F. Kennedy and the 2000 election of George W. Bush. And that may have happened because, I mean, those were both razor, razor thin uh, elections. Uh, Norpoth's yeah, model uh, examines the results of that. Go ahead. Right. Exactly. You can't, you can't predict. Now, to be fair, this election could turn out to be razor thin, and then his prediction uh, would be coincidence. But if it's not razor thin, then that's right. Uh, those are not good examples of where he got it wrong. Now, I don't know what underlies his model. Uh, there some, could be some element of chance, although at that 
level, it seems remarkably unlikely, and a regression analysis would demonstrate that, and I presume he conducted a regression analysis. So that's very interesting to hear. Yep. Here's what I've been saying all along on your show and elsewhere, of course, Dave. Uh, I'm not a pollster, so my predictions to begin with are not based on hard numbers. But I think it's actually exceedingly predict, uh, exceedingly difficult, rather, to predict even for pollsters these days the outcome of the election because we have so many um, – what was the phrase you used? White elephant events, something like that? Oh, black swan. A black swan, white elephant. What's the difference <laughs> in any event? Um, we've had so many of those yes. uh, purple cow events that yes. – that, uh, how do you build that into a model – because the model is supposed to be a, a simplified version of reality, and it's hard to factor in COVID, for example, the shutdown of the economy, uh, which is related but nonetheless distinct, uh, for example, in a model. So I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. But I, I will say this for sure, that the notion that to slam dunk for Biden, I think, is silly. Moreover, Biden, there's going to be a real question. Either Biden's not going to participate in debates, and I think that will affect some of the electorate saying, what, this guy can't show up to do his job? Yeah. Why not? And we know why not, right? Yeah. Because yeah. there's clearly a mental decline going on with Joe Biden. The, uh, no one can legitimately dispute that there isn't something going on with Joe Biden in terms of his mental functioning. <clears throat> Well, I don't know if he's on. Go ahead. An article from uh, the uh, National Review uh, yesterday. Jim Garrity said over in the Hill, former Senator and Governor Judd Gregg writes that if elected, Joe Biden will quickly face a de facto coup by hardline progressives who want his running mate to take over and run the administration. Now, I'm going to quote Greg for you. Within a few months of assuming the presidency, Biden may find himself being the exact statue toppled as the socialist progressive movements move closer to power. Replacing him with his vice president could be deemed necessary to the cause. His colleagues could declare him too old to handle the presidency and remove him under the 25th Amendment. Oh, come on, Senator. What are the odds that if elected, Joe Biden would say or do something that would make people think he's not mentally or physically capable of handling his duties? Biden is absolutely on top of all of our problems from the 120 million Americans dead from covid to the menace of lying dog face reporters. So uh, enough said there. And I just thought that somebody would float that immediately. Uh, was kind of interesting. Dave, you are well aware, every time we hear Biden, we're all sort of holding on to our chairs <laughs> to see whether or not he's going to just go off the rails with what seems like de- delusional speak, or he'll start into one of his combative behaviors. And by combative, I mean like when he verbally um, attacked, uh, attacks maybe not the right word, but essentially uh, verbally went after the guy who was asking him questions and said, oh, you're fat and uh, you want to do some push-ups and you want to take it outside, that kind of thing. 
of course, you know, Dave, you've seen this behavior. We all have. We see it in young children and um, very old folks who are losing senility uh, or going senile, rather, uh, because when they don't know what to do, right, their minds are not in a proper state, uh, they resort to this kind of knee-jerk violence. Uh, And these are demonstrations or evidence of the fact that Biden's mental capacity has been impacted. Now, I'm not saying he's generally delusional. There was one of the debates that he had in the Democratic primary that I thought he was actually rather cogent, but then others, not so much. Yeah. So that, that's what you often see, right? You see the ups and downs of someone starting that process. Let me be clear. If you're a Democrat, you can vote for him. You can say, all right, I prefer that over Trump. That's that's the beauty of elections. You're entitled to vote for that. But let's recognize it for what it is. Right. And the, the left will say, well, let's recognize Trump for what he is. Well, you can recognize him for whatever you think he is. And I can recognize him for whatever I think he is. Well, you know, what's, what's, what's interesting that people I do not believe from the left understand is that I didn't vote for Trump because I liked him as a person. I mean, that I didn't vote for Trump because I liked him as a person. I liked him because I knew what he wanted to do in America as far as reigniting our economy, as far as bringing us back closer uh, to the middle and maybe the the center right on things that we've always been center right on in this country. I, I don't I don't take his I don't I don't I'm not subscribed to Trump's Twitter account. It drives me crazy, but his policies don't. I, I subscribe to his Twitter account, and I mention that only to say that. I don't look to hire a president because that's what we do as citizens. We hire a president. I don't look to hire a president based on whether or not I like the guy, whether or not I want to have a beer with the guy. That was once the narrative in a prior election. Uh, Who's the one you want to have a beer with? Well, I don't care who you want to have a beer with. That's irrelevant. And uh, I hire a guy for the same reason you hire a guy, and that is who's going to do the best job managing the affairs of the country uh, today. Who's the most competent? That's it. And there was no doubt in my mind that that was Trump. By the way, there was a New York Times article, to my surprise, only one that said, oh, the markets are starting to turn because they think that Biden might win the election. Uh And and the markets know that Biden will be bad for the economy. He he said what you want. He said yesterday, I will rewrite the economy. Take that as you will. But he said, I will rewrite the economy. Got to get our break in. Our first one here with Robert Steinbach. He's with me for the rest of this hour. Enjoy what you're watching on Facebook. Enjoy what you're listening to at six o'clock or Maybe you're listening to it at noon off of the podcast at 101.1 FM, The Answer. Let's continue with Robert Steinbach here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, One of the big issues that are going on now in our country, Robert, is 
the part that the police will play in our society. The left says we need to defund the police. Now, you you have to listen closely to what they're saying about what they mean by defund. Some of them mean let's move the money that's going to the police and move it into social programs. Others are saying let's get rid of the police. I mean, there is two different thought processes going on with the left. A grandfather of an 11-year-old who was killed by gun violence over this last weekend had this to say about defunding the police. Cut number 16. Everybody just saying they're just tired, tired of the shootings in the community. Everybody's running around here thinking they're oozy-toting, dope-sucking, psychopathic killing machines, and they're just destroying lives. But we're protesting for months, uh, for weeks, saying Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter, it seems like only when a police officer shoot a black person. What about all the black-on-black crime that's happening in the community? There you go. All right. This is the that was the grandfather of eleven year old killed by gun violence. Crime, he went on to say, is only going to get worse if you defund the police because the areas that need the police more are the urban areas in our uh, our countries, and we've known that for years. So we've got people saying, "Let's defund the police." What's your thoughts on all of that, to Robert? Yes, Dave. Of course, this notion of defunding the police is dangerous. What you do when you defund the police is you increase crime. Now, if there are issues that need to be addressed in the administration of police, and I think there are, in fact, then you do so. But defunding the police is a recipe for violence, crime and violence. There's no question about that. So... You are going to harm the innocent people who rely on police and benefit those who engage in criminality uh, and and other uh, violent, well, criminality, including criminal violent behavior. So it's just it's just a silly idea. Yeah, but they're sticking to it. They're trying to do it. They they say I I I can't I got to paraphrase all of this. But I heard a woman talking last night about how they, and I think it's in Seattle, they want to totally get rid of the police. They, in the next six years. Because yeah, how'd that work out in the little subdivision of Seattle where they did get rid of the police for a few weeks? And how many murders did they have in there? Yeah, three. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, the bottom, the bottom the line is, though, they honestly believe you can get rid of the police Nobody would be in charge. It would all be social workers and people like that, and somehow they're going to keep things under control. Let me just say, without any problem, that if there's people with guns and then you don't have a gun, the people who have guns will tell you how to live your life. Of course they will. History has demonstrated that every day that this modern world has existed and the fact is that if the police are going to be defunded it only demonstrates more the importance of our second amendment rights 
All right, how much time do we have here, Heidi? Do I have enough time to play that other grandfather? I've got another grandfather. This is a, another grandfather of an 11-year-old that was killed by gun violence, and he talked about defunding the police, and here's what he had to say as far as that's con- I mean, these are the people that are being impacted, and here's what they say about this old defund the police. We're beyond fed up with the blood in our streets. How dare you ask Mayor Bowser for more money meant for prevention? And I know we mentioned at the top that you were, have been involved in law enforcement and, and policing for much of your life. What do, you, what do you respond to Black Lives Matter when they say things like that, sir? Okay, and you're right. Most of my life, I've been a guardian angel. I started doing this at the age of 14 in New York City. I came to D.C. and started the group. And when I was 19, I'm now 50. And 11 years ago, I started a special police company called Archangel Global Security Special Police in Washington, D.C., where we have full police powers. We are law enforcement on the properties that we uh, work. Now, for that response... I, I don't agree. We can't take money from the police department. We need the police. You take the police from there and we wind up having less police officers in the street, less detectives. It's not going to work. The crime is going to get worse. Uh, you need police to run those calls. So you start having less police officers. Who are going to come when there is a need for police services? But what I will say, we have to find money for the additional services that everybody would like to have. There are calls that come into the police department that should not go to the police. You know, and certain calls should go to other agencies that can deal with maybe mental health or uh, one of those calls when it comes to ticketing here in D.C. We have properties where uh, officers call, police call, special police or security call for ticketing instead of calling the police they could call a, uh, the co- a company that comes out on ticket cars. The money should go to those different agencies. Yeah. Where can you get that money from? We have millions of dollars that are generated through red light cameras, speed yeah. cameras, and other ways we receive money in, in the D.C. metropolitan area. Why can't we get money and just put it to those agencies? But to remove money from right. the police department, I think, is not good. And also, they spoke about taking uh, police and some security out of the schools. That is a big mistake. I tell you, the one time, I think a couple of years ago, they were talking about, let's arm the teachers and the schools, and right. these guys have no uh, uh, per, no good training, but then now you want to take the police officers out of schools. I'm like, are y'all serious? What, I mean, yeah. What's and, going on? As soon as we have and, another tragedy in the school, y'all going to want to put the police back. You and should lastly, not sir, take the police out. The police need the funding. There you go. I mean, there, there's a, a guy who's speaking common sense, Robert. You got thir- 30 seconds. Well, look, Dave, th- this notion uh, of defund the police is anarchy. By the way, I suspect being supported in part, not entirely, by outside forces seeking to undermine the strength of our democracy. So for those that were concerned about Russian intervention in the election, and that's a legitimate concern as a general matter, the Russians are are malign actors. We're going to pick this up after the news. We got to get to the news. We're back, and uh, Robert and I are talking about defunding the police. Now, we've heard from two grandfathers 
who had <clears throat> excuse me who had granddaughters who were killed over the weekend, and they say this is a uh, a recipe for disaster. But yet the the people on the left. They think that uh, this is the best thing since canned beer or, or uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. The left has decided to consistently move further and further from reality. And mind you, Dave, these people on the many of these people on the left, perhaps not all of them, uh, would be the first to call the cops if something were happening to them. I saw one incident where someone was outside of a store or something and protesting the police, saying the police should be disbanded, essentially. And some other guy came in there and kind of uh, um, scared them away. He had an axe or a chainsaw. I mean, it was kind of an odd scenario. And then one of these people calling for the police to be disbanded said, call the cops, call the cops. Really? Mm-hmm. Really? That's the kind of lack of reality that my truth embodies. Well, I I agree. In fact, here in the near future, if things keep going the way they uh, they are, when you call nine one one, this could be the problem. Nine one one, what is your emergency? I need help. There's some people outside. I think they're trying to break into my garage. They're breaking into your home right now. Yeah. Can you send some police? What kind of police? What do you mean, what kind of police? Due to recent policy changes regarding police brutality, we need to ensure that the officers we send out are guaranteed to not be viewed as racist, trigger-happy, discriminatory in the event of a violent confrontation. So, Can you just send someone to help? I don't know what these people want. My family is here and... Oh, my God. They just got into the garage. Please send some help. In order to send help, I need to know what race the perpetrators are, their age, their sexual orientation, what gender they are. Do they have a criminal record? Are they on drugs? If they are armed. And if so, what are they armed with? I don't care about any of that. Send help now. Sir, we cannot send white officers out there if the perpetrators breaking into your home are non-Caucasian. I can't send officers out there with guns if the alleged burglars are not armed. So, I need to know. (laughs) Sir? Sir? 911, what is your emergency? That's the way it's going to be, Robert. I'm just telling you. That's that's hilarious. (laughs) That's That's what we're hearing, isn't it? You know, you got. We got to make sure that if it's, you know, if it's uh, people of color breaking into your house, then we need people of color law enforcement. I guess if white white people are breaking in, doesn't matter. It's just kind of it. It's just absolutely insane the way things are going in this country now. But that actually gives even too much credit to the leftist movement because don't they want to? Doesn't Ocasio Cortez say she wants to disband the police entirely? I mean, yes. there's no. Yes, there won't she be wants any them gone. Police. Yeah, there'll be no nine one one. You know they right. they've got a billboard and uh, bus campaign. By bus, mean I mean they got this on the side of the buses in Seattle, Washington. It says call nine one one. Don't text. Nine one one. Oh, that's funny. 
That's I mean, funny. seriously. They, they, That's they, funny. They, the millennials don't even understand, you know, OMG, somebody's right. robbing me. You know, I mean. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. You, you, I, it wouldn't I, even dawned on me. I mean, you listen to that, and and that helps explain why we are where we are. I mean, seriously. A hundred percent, Dave. This is, uh, we talked about uh, earlier in the show, I guess this is going to be re-aired uh, on yeah. the radio at six o'clock. We talked this morning, therefore, uh, uh, on the show uh, about how it, the science is not what's relevant no. to people on the left. And the cancel culture has, for example, Heather McDonald, uh, a really well-known scholar, cited some studies that demonstrate the point that we talked about this morning. That was that this economist, amongst others, said that the police, that the data show police do not kill blacks at a higher rate than they kill whites. Just to be balanced, he said that the data do show that the police use more violence against blacks than they do against whites. Uh, Heather McDonald cited a study to that effect. I don't think the same study, a different study. And now they are saying that the study is invalid because Heather McDonald cited it. Because if a conservative cites the study, <laughs> well, then the study has got to be broken. You yeah. can't have a conservative citing a study. You cannot say, Dave, that the police do not kill blacks at a higher rate uh, per capita than they do whites uh, based on all factors, including interactions with the police. You can't say that, Dave. You're not allowed to say that, even though apparently, according to the study that Heather McDonald cited, as well as that economist from Harvard who said exactly that, uh, um, uh, that it's true, you can't say that. Yeah. You're not allowed to say that. Of course because not, you're it not. Doesn't, it doesn't fit the leftist ideology. It doesn't fit the leftist narrative. And if the narrative, if the facts don't fit the narrative, don't change the narrative, change the facts. That's right. Just call call into effect that the facts are wrong. That's right. That's all, that's all you got to do. All right. Remember, according to the, to the left, uh, conservatives are the ones that deny science. Yeah, absolutely. We're the flat earthers, buddy. Okay, so I've got an article in front of us from the AP. Heidi had this for me this morning. Little Rock became the first city in Arkansas to pass a measure with increased penalties specifically for hate crimes that target people based on their race, national origin, religion, sexual orientation, gender identity, or disability. The city's board of directors on Tuesday approved the ordinance that would enforce up to $1,000 in fines for a first offense, a sentence of 30 days, 90 days, or a year in jail, or a combination of fine and imprisonment. Arkansas is one of only four states without a specific hate crime law. The Arkansas Democrat Gazette reports that Mayor Frank Scott hopes the ordinance serves as a model for other cities. Arkansas lawmakers released a drafted bill last month. It was written by State Senator Hendren that addresses hate crimes by enhancing penalties for targeted offenses in the state. The bill is expected to be discussed in the legislative uh, legislature during the January session. Quote, it's important that this work starts early, 
so support can build before the general session in January, said Governor Asa Hutchinson in a statement. My hope is that this type of action will reduce racial strife and send a message that violence in the name of prejudice will meet an increased penalty under the law. Now, let me ask a question off of that. When the, when the governor said he hopes that this type of action will reduce racial strife and that Arkansas is only one of four states that don't have a, a hate uh, law, okay, so that means mm-hmm. that 40... Six other states do. Does why? Why do we still have racial strife in the United States and all those other states? In the other forty-six states. That's correct. Hey, did you know that the other forty-six states are a panacea? They have gone into. It is a perfect world in forty-six of the fifty states, and unfortunately, we apparently are living in one of the havens of destruction and racial strife that remains in these United States because we haven't passed that law yet. Dave, this will be the test. We have long since, we have long said on your show that while we have a thoroughly Republican legislature, we don't have a thoroughly Republican, excuse me, we don't have a thoroughly conservative legislature. This will be the test of whether or not we have a conservative legislature, and it will be the test of whether or not each and every legislator is conservative or not. Now, I hope that when the vote comes down, that conservatives don't say, well, the people don't really understand the position that I'm in, and you know, I'm going to have to vote for this. And that's the wrong reason to vote on anything. Well, the exact opposite, right? Yeah. You are hired to vote on things in which the people don't have, uh, don't have to vote themselves, don't have to be directly involved themselves. If you were saying that basically you're just going to uh, um, uh, sort of predict what they would have done, even had they not sufficient information, therefore hired you to be their representative, then you're not doing your job. Yep. That's exactly right. That's the reason that they voted for you. That's the reason they sent you to the state capitol. Let me be clear here, Dave. Remember, we, you and I, and all the good people from the greater Jonesboro area elected, we didn't elect, but we helped get elected, Dan Sullivan, and we did so for one simple reason. He's a conservative, and his opponent was not. That's correct. That's why he won that race. That's right, John. John Cooper was not a conservative. He said he was, but he wasn't. That's exactly right. And he killed the Stand Your Ground bill. We're going to bring up the Stand Your Ground bill again in this legislative session. We're going to bring up free speech uh, for government employees again in the legislative session, both bills being revised and improved, no less. We're going to bring up uh, the the right to contract for for professors uh, so that they won't be stripped of their tenure for saying conservative thoughts like I am doing on your show today. Uh, And so we are going to work towards conservative ideology and each one of those bills and the one you just mentioned and others will be the test as to whether or not these elected officials are conservatives 
And if they fail on those votes, they will fail to get reelected because you and I and the good conservatives of this great state will campaign as we did in the Dan Sullivan election against the opponent who is a fake conservative. And by that, I mean not a conservative, but claiming to be a conservative. And that non-conservative lost that election and the next ones who do the same type of behavior will lose their elections their elections are on the line all right we got more when we come back we're going to hear from uh, vice president pence and about uh, testing for covid19 all that's still to be discussed before we finish up here in the final hour of the dave ellswick show Final segment of today's uh, Dave Ellswick show here, 101.1 FM, uh, The Answer. Vice President Pence talked about how many people now have been tested for COVID in the United States, and it's a huge number. Here's the vice president. We have tested more than 39 million Americans. Among those, uh, more than 3 million Americans have tested positive and more than 1.3 million Americans have recovered. Uh, Sadly, more than 133,000 Americans have lost their lives and our sympathies are with all of the impacted families. And while we mourn with those who mourn, because of what the American people have done, because of the extraordinary work of our healthcare workers around the country, uh, we are encouraged uh, that the average fatality rate continues to be low and steady. All right. At Back. this point, we have tested more than 39 million Americans. All right. So 39 million, that's a little more, if I'm not mistaken, than 10% of our population now. We're a little over 350 million. And so. Uh, when you look at grafting of this, you will see the number of people that are being shown to have been infected going up substantially. Now, usually, if you look at that graph, the first thing that goes through your mind is, wow, all those people are infected? Then people got to be dropping like flies. Not true. When you look at the uh, graph of fatalities, it looks like it dropped off of the edge of the table. And now it's right around 2%, just barely above the 1% that flu is on a, on a yearly basis. And it has a vaccine. COVID-19 doesn't have a vaccine. Uh, Dr. Gottlieb said that he thought by uh, November we would reach herd uh, immunity. Uh, in the country so good there's a lot of good news out there robert and i am going to be the purveyor of good news instead of of uh carrying through the uh the the narrative of the mainstream media who started off by talking about how many people were dying and now they don't talk about the people dying is way down low now they're talking about infection rate is way up high but the reason that's happening is so many more people are being tested I think there are two reasons, frankly, in my opinion. That is, one is, of course, we have more data because more people are testing, but we are still spreading the disease. So the numbers are going up. I think that's the case. So uh, I think we need to be careful. I'm looking forward to the vaccine. 
I wish I bought that stock, by the way. Apparently, it's <laughs> gone up like a thousand percent. Yeah. But in any event, that's an aside. Uh, I, I do intend to take the vaccine. I know some people, a friend of mine doesn't believe in vaccines. He's free not to take the vaccine. But I intend to take the vaccine, and I do think excuse me, the number of cases is going up. But I, I think the numbers that we see uh, show two different things combined. That is that the number of cases are going up and the number of testing, uh, the number of tests uh, that are being done are going up as well. So both are adding to the total. So the increase in numbers uh, that appear on paper are higher than the actual increase, albeit there still is some actual increase. Now, keep in mind, though, that the amount of deaths continues to go down. Yes. That's important. And, and, and the majority the majority of those deaths are people of 80 years old and older. Okay, Heidi, do I have enough time to get McDaniel in? I do. Okay. So I've got Chairwoman McDaniel talking about President Trump and schools going back uh, in the session in the fall. Here's what she had to say. I think the president is been very, has been very clear that he's going to put the health and safety of kids first and foremost, but recognizing that we can balance that with starting school. The school districts across the country have had the whole summer to come up with plans to safely open school. There's a huge impact on school not starting, not just on the mental health of kids, and I'm speaking as a mother of a 15 and a 17-year-old mm-hmm. who I believe really need to get back to school, um, but also on the family, families that are having to provide daycare, get back to work so there's a ripple effect we can balance that and the government's willing to work with the school districts and the states but what you're seeing from democrats consistently is we want to pause everything we want the whole economy to shut down and there's no way we're ever going to open back up again and the president is pushing them to lead and find solutions and let's not Mm. leave our kids behind because of this pandemic let's get this country moving again and it's got to start with our kids he's putting a student plan first and joe biden's putting a union plan first and i'm going to side with the students every time all right and that's the republican plan thoughts on that one what i think the democrats are doing is they want to keep the economy shut until the election and once the election happens oh guess what you know what we think maybe we can get something going I think it's an, it's largely strategic for the election purposes. That's why they want to keep things shut down. Now, to be clear and to be fair, as you know, I take very seriously this uh, COVID, and I don't think we should be willy-nilly opening things up. Uh, but I don't think that's the driving factor for the left. By the way, we see something like this in academia. Some schools have gone online entirely. Other schools have not gone online entirely. Uh, I, I don't have a particularly strong opinion uh, one way or the other. But what has recently been dis- uh, uh, disclosed is that if they are online entirely, they can't keep uh, their foreign students in the country paying tuition. So how much of that uh, hybrid or a fully open model is being driven by uh, legitimate concerns versus financial concerns? Uh, a, lot of, a lot of stuff right? has been politicized, and, and the Democrats have done the best job they can politicizing it. That's right. That's right. They really, really have. And I just want people to know that, for instance, in in Cabot, they're going to reopen. And I think that if if somebody is raising kids and has your viewpoint and are very nervous about that, they can still do distance learning with their students. 
my uh, my point is that uh, I think we need to sort of recognize uh, mutual interests, uh, but I don't think that means willy-nilly. I don't think that means it's just everything is back to normal. No, no. I think there is a role here for still legal restrictions, uh, uh, but limited and with the proper authority as run through the legislature at the state level, no local level. The local uh, um, governments are not empowered uh, to restrict freedom in the way that they have been. It's only a function of state government, and I want to see both uh, of the elected branches. I well, gotcha. I guess in our, yeah, yeah, all right, we'll talk again tomorrow, all right? Yes, sir. You have a great yes, afternoon. It's a Dave Ellsworth Show. God bless. And have a great night if it's at 6 o'clock that you're listening to this. I'm Dave Ellsworth. See you tomorrow, 6 a.m.